<laughs> 鬼岛之音 Ghost Island Media. Hey guys, safe greetings from Taiwan. It's top of June, and COVID has picked up here. Thank you to listeners who have reached out to us. We at Ghost Island Media have gone semi-work from home. We're trying to keep safe. It's been an interesting experience, but we're so glad to see that many of you around the world are starting to return to normal. Today, part two of a multi-part series on security. We discuss fake news. Over the past month in Taiwan, as COVID has risen, fake news has also picked up. Some of the origins of these disinformation has been traced to foreign IP addresses. Today, a conversation with Dr. Puma Shen of DoubleThink Lab, an organization here that's been studying CCP influence campaign against Taiwan. JR talks to Dr. Shen about its report, "Deafening Whispers," which details disinformation methods and effects. This interview was conducted back in January when the report first came out. We're releasing this episode today, as the English version has just been made available. Today's episode is supported by the Institute for National Defense and Security Research in Taiwan, a think tank dedicated to fueling knowledge-based policy analyses and strategic assessments on Taiwan's security. Democracy is a failure. That's a narrative the Chinese Communist Party has been trying to plant over the past year, and hopes to take root in international discourse and in the minds of its 1.4 billion citizens. This disinformation supports the portrayal that democracy in Taiwan, one of Asia's most vibrant young democracies, has failed to give people good governance or positive international relationships. This disinformation implies that democracy leads to moral decadence and that the authoritarian governance model of the PRC is better than Western democratic governance systems. This disinformation also creates a divided society and puts ideologies on a collision course with each other. Never has this kind of scenario been this serious before in Taiwan. Those are some of the conclusions in a report issued late last year titled "Deafening Whispers" by DoubleThink Lab. A Taiwanese organization whose mission is to strengthen democracy through digital defense. Online disinformation and influence operations affect offline, real-world defense and security. To put it bluntly, fake news is a global issue, and this is the Taiwan Take. I'm your host, J.R. Wu. Welcome to a new episode. My focus in criminology is white-collar crime. It means the crimes committed by the powerful. One category from white-collar crime is state crime, and that's one of my focus too. So for me, what China did in East Turkestan or in Hong Kong, or right now the information operation here in Taiwan, is like a state crime. It's January six. The start of 2021, and we are glad to have with us today one of Taiwan's foremost experts on disinformation and its implications for national security. Dr. Puma Shen, Shen Boyang, is the chairman of DoubleThink Lab, 
Taiwan Mingzhu Shiyanshi and an assistant professor at National Taipei University. He is a human rights activist, a criminologist, a prolific writer. He has been profiled in local media articles and a guest speaker with decision makers in Taiwan and internationally. Dr. Shen has over 87,000 followers on his Facebook and over 17,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel and always identifiable by his distinctive mop of curly black hair. We'll also talk to him about his interest in Usha novels, whether George Orwell was the mastermind in Muse for Doublethink Lab and where the name Puma comes from. Dr. Shen, thank you for joining us today. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Hi, JR. Thanks for having me today. Now, before we get into it, Dr. Shen, I know you're a professor of criminology, white-collar crime, but you're actually also one of the top experts in Chinese information operations, not just in Taiwan, but around the world. Yeah, so what we do right now uh, as an organization, we try to archive the Chinese language media, content from Weibo, WeChat, public accounts every two hours. So that's how we can see the trend there in China or in Chinese language around the world, how they operate all this information on the internet. So first we focus on the Taiwan election in 2020. And then right now we move on to how they utilize the information on the internet during the pandemic and also around the world. And our recent report is about Southeast Asia, like how they spread this information from Taiwan to Southeast Asia and then also to Europe. How bad is it now? How bad it is right now? I think it's really hard for us to communicate because every time when we say that, hey, fake news is uh, kind of prevalent here in Taiwan, people will say that we are the fake news. We are consuming the fake news, not them. So only creating several YouTube videos online or trying to do some campaign is kind of useless right now. So that's why we try to analyze the personalities, like what kind of people are vulnerable to disinformation and who consume the disinformation. And we also have to do the targeting. We also need to help the people who are vulnerable with all this disinformation and then try to provide them the toolkit and restore their mindset to neutral. And I mean, that's the task. Let me start with a very compelling statement you gave at the U.S.-based think tank, the Center for Strategic and International Studies, about a year ago. You said, quote, everyone should have opinions in a democratic society, but hatred is another thing. This is a huge challenge, not just for Taiwan, but also for the whole world, end quote. Now, you said this in the context of telling a story about the detection of cyber forces from China, planting fake stories in a new Facebook group in Taiwan. This online group was created after the January 2020 Taiwan presidential election. It was a place of discussion on how parents and their adult children were divided in their ideological views. The fake stories you were saying, however— were aimed to generate conflict, more specifically, manufacture generational hatred. You told your audience, I am truly worried about this division. 
Dr. Shen, what does this have to do with disinformation and Taiwan's security? Oh, we always call it like a concentral. Okay, now explain to me again, or actually concentral. It means. So it's a troll that is faking its concern about、mm-hmm. an issue on purpose for、uh-huh. a motive. Yeah. So when we say concentral, it means that people from maybe from other countries they pretend to be on the other side, but actually they can also pay to some key opinion leaders or YouTubers, live streamers to do that kind of stuff, and that's the Chinese strategy right now to do this kind of information operation. So concentral is that someone who is on the one side or pretends to be on the other side, and with concerns. So the Chinese cyber force. So it looks like the People's Army are involved in that case. They pretend to be supporters of Tsai Ing-wen, and tell the stories about how have they been kicked out by their parents who support Han Guoyu. Now you're describing this Facebook group, right?、Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the danger of this is that because it's a true story, it's not fake. So the information operation do not really need fake news to generate the hatred I just mentioned, and it comes back to the idea of like cognitive dissonance. So this kind of like Chinese style or Russian style of information operation is kind of tailored to attack democratic countries. But hang on again,、uh, Doctor Shen, because I've voted before. I've sat at dinner tables with my. Elder generation,、uh, younger people than me, and we have a lively discourse on. I back this candidate, you back that one. Why? What? Whatever. Then we go on and play tennis or go running together.、Um, how is that different from what's going on in this case? And why are you so worried about it here? I mean, that's a healthy discussion in your case, right? That's democratic. It's in a healthy democratic countries, we all discuss like different values, but we appreciate each other and we respect each other. But in the case that I just mentioned, is that the cyber force from other countries they try to infiltrate and pretend to be the supporters of like Taiwanese independence or Tsai Ing-wen or even the supporters of Han Guoyu and create hatred or the filter bubble. And make sure that people hate each other in that case. So, for example, in I think it's in February last year,、uh, our government had the policy of not exporting the face masks to mainland China. That's right.、Mm-hmm. But at that point, face masks were a scarce commodity. We were just getting into the height of COVID.、Uh-huh. That's right. And people kind of like discuss that issue here in Taiwan. But we found the offer from the Chinese company and. I think it's eight hundred thousand New Taiwan dollars for one episode. So they asked one of the key opinion leaders here to film a video saying that she supports that policy on episode one, and on episode two they will throw the clean face mask to the trash can and say that they would rather throw that into the trash can instead of exporting the face mask to China. And that's the concentral I just talked about, and they actually pay for that kind of video. And this emotional factor that is coming into what used to just be purely fake news or disinformation, this emotional factor, this hatred, how does that change the dynamic of this threat of disinformation? You mean right now here in Taiwan, and also elsewhere in the world, perhaps? I think I used to like interview several experts. I mean, from the military, actually from Russia, and they said the.、Uh, The best scenario of information operation is to、uh, making the country having the civil war, to make people hate each other, and they think that they will not, they do not want to discuss like any issue with each other, and that's the scenario they want to create. And 
we're pretty afraid of that if lots of personal information has been collected by China here from Taiwan. And then it's so easy for them to categorize different groups of Taiwanese people. So, for example, if you want people to hate each other, you want to know their personalities. And if you want to know their personalities, you need private information. So that's why if you want to do a successful information operation, you have to collect the private information first at the very beginning. And then you can categorize like Taiwanese people into 70 categories or 100 categories and having them export different information. And then they could hate each other in that scenario. Now, that's something that DoubleThink Lab looked at and analyzed in Deafening Whispers, that recent report that you put out late last year. This report, which was seven months in the making, looks at China's information operation in Taiwan's 2020 election. It looks at the actors, the victims, the channels, the content and how all this strategy is put together. Mm -hmm. According to our study, if a rumor has been spread and then less than 30% of people have heard of it, it has more impact than the rumor that has been spread widely in public. So the less people absorb the information, the more powerful the rumor is. The less people that export the information, mm -hmm. the more powerful it is. Yeah. So kind of like precision strike. Mm -hmm. You only want to target the little bit that you target. Yeah. And that's much more effective than, let's say, in conventional warfare, putting off a big fat bomb. Mm -hmm. It's the filter bubble and it's more like a cult. And then people only believe the information they consume, and but they will not discuss that issue with each other. So, for example, there's a rumor saying that all the election has been fabricated here, being manipulated here in Taiwan, not in the U.S., but here in Taiwan. And they say that the CIA has been providing invisible ink to our government to make Tsai Ing-wen elected as the president. And when we do the survey here in Taiwan, there are like 28% of people who actually believe in that conspiracy theory. And these are 28% that probably were targeted to receive mm -hmm. that disinformation. Yeah. And another example is that 30% of them also believe that Tsai Ing-wen got abortion. And it's actually a rumor created by the, the army in China and saying that Tsai Ing-wen has got abortion, right? Six times. Right. Something like that. The conspiracy theory. Now, Dr. Shen, um, I know that you have lived abroad for quite a while as well and you're U.S. educated, and you were just saying that you interviewed even some sources sitting in other countries like Russia. Mm -hmm. Do you see something similar uh, playing out in other democracies or other parts of the world where mm -hmm. Taiwan can share its lessons, those lessons abroad Taiwan can take and uh, integrate into some sort of solution? I mean, Taiwan has been a hub for disinformation from China because lots of information from China are in Chinese, in Mandarin. So I think we're kind of have the privilege to analyze this kind of disinformation and share that's that That's a scary world. privilege. <laughs> yeah, that's very <laughs> scary. So, but we're actually right now developing the multi-language tool. So we can use that kind of technology that even the disinformation is in other language, we can also analyze it and see whether it is from China. 
Now, I remember in one of the conferences or panel sessions that you've been at, you've traveled around the world speaking about this important topic. You were saying language is really important in information operations, and you were just mm -hmm. talking about this multi-language analysis. Tell us more about how language makes Taiwan vulnerable or makes Taiwan a place to look for mm -hmm. solutions to Chinese language disinformation. I think one of the key elements of information operation is to establish the trust. And then so you have to speak the language they're using to establish the trust. And then they will believe in the information that you spread. So that's why Taiwan is very vulnerable in this case. Mandarin is very similar to the official language there in China. So, I mean, that's their privilege. But with the AI technology, it's much easier right now for China to use in the technology to generate the local language that they want to use. You mean artificial intelligence faking an accent? Yeah. So, for example, I think it's last year from May, we spot that uh, the Chinese company actually download the political talk show here in Taiwan and then try to generate a new voice and it's actually Taiwanese from the political talk show and read the content from articles, making them into the YouTube videos and then spread the disinformation. And that's the strength that they could use right now. I mean, China is really good at AI technology. That's actually very good tactical tips, mm -hmm. right? Right. And I suppose it would work the other way if someone or uh, some place or some government administration is trying to find ways to defend mm -hmm. against malign influence or information operations. Yeah, because yeah. previously we think that um, it's much easier for us to pass the law and then we can spot some local agents that try to hook up the Chinese agents and the collaborators here in Taiwan. But right now with AI technology, they can just generate like fake videos, fake YouTubers, and then they can speak actually Taiwanese or the Taiwanese Chinese to spread the disinformation. That's why it's more difficult for us to analyze the disinformation operation. I'm going to back up a little bit because what you say is absolutely interesting. And I want to give our listeners, um, let them know how fresh some of this is, certainly in the past 12 months, maybe in mm -hmm. the past 14 months. In the second episode ever of the Taiwan Take, mm -hmm. we actually uh, interviewed um, one of our experts here at the Institute for National Defense and Security Research. Uh, Dr. Hung was talking about China infiltration, about these proxies that you were just mentioning. In that particular conversation, and this was back in December 2019, we were talking about Taiwanese businessmen, mm -hmm. Taishang. We were talking about veterans from the military, retired generals. Mm -hmm. We were also talking about these temple masters, mm -hmm. uh, grassroots organizations where uh, CCP tries to perhaps influence their thinking, feed disinformation to then feed it all back into Taiwan to make whatever aims it is the CCP is looking at at that time. Mm -hmm. December 2019, before COVID, we've had a whole 12 months of 2020, and now here you're talking to me about AI and fake voices and audio-visual disinformation. Mm -hmm. What has changed, or how has, maybe it's COVID, changed the CCP's tactics in disinformation, do you think? I think the use of social media has been changing 
I mean, from Chinese perspective, there are two folds. So first is from content form to YouTube. So they're moving from text to video. That's one case. And the other one is that they're moving from fan pages to private groups on Facebook. So it's much more difficult for us to spot them unless we enter into that private groups and, and see And you're talking about Chinese language disinformation, right? Yeah. You're not talking about the CCP when it embarks on its English language information operations, no. which we've mm-hmm. seen on Twitter and English language Facebook. I published a paper like a few months ago talking about the English content tweet that had been generated. It has been very lousy. They're not really good at spreading that kind of disinformation. It's their second language, right? <laughs> it's not their mother tongue. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's why Taiwan is always the best place, the testing ground for the Chinese disinformation. So hang on, who are they targeting? So mostly they're targeting Chinese-speaking diaspora around the world. So the reason they're doing that is to mobilize them and try to make them believe the idea that the Chinese style or Chinese form of democracy is much better than the Western one. And then if they really believe in that, and that would be much easier for them to mobilize other ideas and try to influence their voting behavior. There are several examples that we saw previously, like in Canada or in the United States. They tried to mobilize the Chinese diaspora and saying that everything is under control there in China. However, Taiwan is a great place to test it since lots of people speak Chinese and write in Chinese. So sometimes we're considered as Chinese diaspora in the Chinese government perspective. Because Chinese diaspora means Huaren. Huaren is a very united from work term. Uh, one thing to remember, because in China, there are like multiple departments, and then they actually compete with each other, even in this game of information operation. These are the state organs Mm -hmm. in the Communist Party in the Chinese Mm -hmm. government. Yeah. So, for example, the Ministry of State Security, or the Communist Youth League, Gongqintuan, the PLA, the army, the police, the Wujing, and Tongzhanbu, the United Front Work Department, Taiwan Affairs Office, they actually compete with each other. So it's really difficult to analyze the information operation from China as a whole. Hey, from all of us at Ghost Island Media, we hope you're enjoying this episode. The goal of the Taiwan Take is to bring you in-depth conversations on matters important to Taiwan and as they relate to the world. We were recently nominated for a News Podcast Award at the Excellent Journalism Award in Taiwan. To help us speak to more people, donate to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Taiwan. Now back to the show. Yes, you mentioned, and uh, when I say you, I mean doublethink. One of your conclusions uh, mm-hmm. from Deafening Whispers was scattered, incoherent mm-hmm. disinformation strategy. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about that. Because there are like, lots of organs that you just mentioned, it kind of decentralized uh, comparing to Russia. In that report, we also mentioned that there's a decoupling process of creator and distributors, which means that previously... China will create lots of disinformation and they will share the disinformation themselves. But right now they're creating the disinformation and then creating the market interest, letting people voluntarily to share that kind of disinformation. So the distributors are not Chinese. They might be from Malaysia, Cambodia, or even in the US. And they will share the disinformation because they want to make some money. 
Can we think of this something like a supply chain,、mm-hmm. the production supply chain of disinformation? Yeah, and that's the ecosystem. So the propaganda department has their own ecosystem. United Front Work Department has their own ecosystem, and there are multiple ecosystems that actually compete with each other. And that's why sometimes you can see the contradiction between different messages because it's from different departments. So from our perspective, it's kind of important to analyze. The style of all these departments—they have their own goals, they have their own writing style. So we can do some alignment test to see whether they provide the content to several people in other countries and ask them to share this kind of disinformation. Have you guys gotten so good that you can figure out? Oh, this one came from the security bureau. Oh, that one came from Taiwan Affairs Office.、Mm-hmm. That's something we could do right now, but not that sophisticated. We can only spot like three to four departments right now, but the goal here right now is to analyze them and then share that to other civil society like Burma, Vietnam, Cambodia, or even in Brazil, United States, and then let them know which department they are facing right now and what kind of disinformation they could spread maybe later in this month or maybe next year. We want to Now, do the prediction. Now, when you say we, who are you talking about? Double Think Lab or some of the other affiliations or international collaboration you've、mm-hmm. been involved in?、Uh, when I say we, I mean Double Think Lab, the organization. But we collaborate with lots of civil society around the world. So recently, we just had a report with one of the Japanese professor talking about how United Front Work Department spread disinformation there in Japan. And、in the we, Japanese language. In Japanese language. Wow. And, yeah, and we also work with the fact checkers、uh, in Cambodia and also in Burma, and try to debunk the disinformation over there. And then we also analyze how the disinformation has been spread in their country. In their local in language. In their local language, with their help, because we cannot understand their local language. Apart from Taiwan, which we all know has a very serious problem of disinformation,、mm-hmm. in Asia, what other places are facing as dire a situation? Southeast Asia, especially their temple system. I mean, here in Taiwan, we're talking about the temple system have been infiltrated by this is grassroots、China. village level where、yeah. the temple, the miao、mm-hmm. or miao gong,、yeah. is very important a part of daily life of that locality.、Mm-hmm. So same thing in Southeast Asia. Same thing, and actually, things has been worse there in Southeast Asia. It's kind of complicated because our temple system tends not to use the social media to kind of. Marketing their their belief, but in Southeast Asia, people are using Facebook a lot right now, and also they use temple sins to promote their values. And it's much easier for China if they want to manipulate all these fan pages or、uh, using the Xiao Fen Hong to flood all the discussion over there. So Xiao Fen Hong. A、uh, little, little pink. I think you've said before. Now we're talking about red as the color of the CCP.、Mm-hmm. Now, if they're fans or mini fans,、mm-hmm. we paint them pink. Yeah.、Uh-huh. Little pink. Yeah, little pink. It means the patriots, the natives from from China. So why Taiwan has not been really infiltrated? I mean, with regard to the temple system, is all because of democracy value. So, for example. When China wants to ask the Taiwanese businesses to donate money to the temple system here in Taiwan,、mm-hmm. they also ask the temple to do something that is pro-China.、Mm-hmm. However, when the temple wants to make that kind of decision, they say they need to ask the God in Taiwanese. Bua bua. 
It's those um, like half moon shells <laughs> yeah. that you throw onto the floor, and whether it faces up or mm-hmm. down. Yeah, and everyone from that county will participate in that process. So it means that it's really hard for them to manipulate because it's all about the chance. Are you telling me that the CCP does not have a direct line to God? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why, because because we share the democratic value here in Taiwan, right? People mm. want to participate all activities that the temple handle. So that's why when everyone is watching, it's hard to manipulate the the process that I just mentioned. And China found it very difficult to infiltrate in that way. But in Southeast Asia, it story. doesn't happen like this. Mm-hmm. One person or a few people make we'll a make decision. decision. They don't need to light incense or look to some other being. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about DoubleThink. Um, <laughs> it is a young organization, and actually, uh, in Chinese, it is Taiwan Democratic Experimental Lab. Uh-huh. If we directly translate it, uh-huh. but you chose George Orwell mm-hmm. uh, name for it. Why? Tell us a little bit about your thinking in creating this organization, mm-hmm. which has done fantastic research uh-huh. in the year and a half it's been mm-hmm. up and running. So first of all, it's a metaphor from 1984. That's uh-huh. the book by George Orwell, published in 1949. Because it means the cognitive dissonance in psychology, and we think that's the main discourse of influence operation. And if we want to fix the cognitive dissonance. We have to do the test, and that's why we use the term lab here. We have to test; it's the trial and error process. We want to know how to fix that kind of mindset and make people back to neutral. And to use the metaphor of cognitive dissonance, we choose the word double think. <laughs> double think. It is holding belief in two different, two contrasting beliefs. It means inconsistency. For example, you like smoking. But you also believe that smoke is unhealthy. That's, That's double think. <laughs> That's double think. <laughs> People wants to rationalize to justify their behavior, and then they will easily believe something that could explain the status quo. So, for example, people believe Jin Jong Un, the North Korean leader. Some people believe that he's dead, but if you see him on the TV show, there will be some contrasting belief in your mind, and that's inconsistency. So that's why people will soon believe that he's a clone or he's a robot because that's the explanation that will justify and will fix the inconsistency in your mind. And that's how people believe in conspiracy theory. Are you happy with how things have been going for DoubleThink Lab since it launched in September 2019? So far, so good. <laughs> It's been hard because, I mean, when we talk to the public, saying that hey, fake news is an issue, conspiracy theory is an issue, people will will say that hey, you are the one who generating conspiracy theory. So. Social engagement is one of our important tasks in DoubleThink because we really want to engage in the social learning process to make people understand what's information operation, but not to not to tell which party is the best or which value is the best. There's no right and wrong here. So I mean, we're making some of the video. It's called Disinformation Project. It's actually on YouTube right now. So we're asking people who support China or people who support Taiwanese independence and let them read the fake news together, but they do not know each other's belief. And then after they discuss the fake news for like ten minutes, twenty minutes, then we tell them that hey, 
He's the one who supports Taiwanese independence. He's the one who supports China. But in the end, people will find that they are not that different. And they will share the same value. And that's one of the experiments we're doing right now. And letting people know that even we disagree with each other, but we can still discuss lots of issues together. That's really interesting. So you put, going back to that term you used earlier, concern troll. Mm -hmm. So you put two folks, uh, maybe not together, but you have them recite something that is opposite to their natural belief. Mm -hmm. And you have it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? So we tell them we're doing the experiment mm. and try to debunk the fake news they read. So they have to guess whether this is a fake news or not. Mm -hmm. I think they read like 10 pieces of fake news mm -hmm. for like 20 minutes mm -hmm. and they will discuss with each other. And then they will find out that actually they share the same values during the process. But No they matter their natural belief. No matter what. So what does that tell you? It means that people can discuss all the issues together. We're all Taiwanese. That's the message we want to deliver through that disinformation project. Now, Dr. Shen, I also know that um, back in 2019, you actually did bite-sized YouTube videos mm -hmm. um, on your channel or with another civic organization called Watch Out. Mm -hmm. And it was about disinformation. It was episode one to episode nine, I uh -huh. think. Um, why did you do those episodes? It's, it was in the Chinese language. I uh -huh. actually found it because there was a list of it on a Reddit. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, a, a Reddit subreddit comment. So at the very beginning, we think that letting people understand information operation is kind of important. So that's why we want to utilize YouTube to spread this kind of idea. But the algorithm, I mean, people who are really vulnerable to disinformation will never watch that kind of video. So for Why not? Because of algorithm. I mean, if he or she tries to read lots of content or YouTube videos generated by China, let's say, then the algorithm will give them more videos like that, and they will never reach the video we create. When did you find out those bite-sized videos weren't working? Or how did you know they weren't reaching the audience that you wanted? Yeah, because we kind of calculate how all these videos spread on YouTube, not just our videos, but the content from videos from China too. And you can see that it's actually spread 10 times faster than the video we generate. It's not about that our video is not attractive. It's all because of algorithm. And it's really hard to fight against the algorithm. Disinformation has gotten so complicated, sir. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to make sure that, you know, people get to know who you are as well. Mm -hmm. And like disinformation, you're not a straight line either. You are a criminologist. Uh, mm -hmm. You do like Usha novels. Mm -hmm. um, and as I understand it, you're a basketball fan. Who mm -hmm. are you, Puma Shen? Okay, so <laughs> so I'm actually a lawyer before, mm. but I'm kind of sick of law. So that's why I turned to sociology stuff. This is coming from someone who went to University of Pennsylvania, who went uh -huh. to University of California, Irvine. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, sociology. Uh, so I, I turned to sociology mm. uh, in the end and then tried to study criminology as well. Mm -hmm. So my focus in criminology is white-collar crime. It means the crimes committed by the powerful. One category from white-collar crime is state crime, and that's one of my focus, too. So for me, what China did in East Turkestan or in Hong Kong, or right now the information operation here in Taiwan, is like a state crime, and it's worth studying. So that's why I turn to all this information operation stuff. 
And I've mentioned it twice, so now you have to explain it to our listeners. Uh -huh. um, Usha Novels, uh, in an interview, I think this was back in 2019 uh -huh. in a Taiwan media. Oh, yeah. Uh, in it, it said that uh, one of your idols or mm -hmm. someone that you admire was the character in a Louis Cha novel. Uh -huh. um, and his name, the character was Yang Guo. Yang Guo, yeah. Uh, What's that? I mean, it's all about timing. As a teenager, you read that kind of novel and that really triggers your feeling. For the teenagers now, they may like Demon Slayer, right? So everyone has their own masterpiece in their mm. teenager. And that's my masterpiece because he's the one who challenged the status quo. And I love the idea of challenging the status quo. And that kind of idea has been strengthened during college by my advisor, Li Maoshen. Like talking about the harm that capitalism does to society, neoliberalism. And that's why I focus on financial crime, the state crime, talking about Wall Street, how they do harm to the whole world, stuff like that. And I think it's the wealth gap right now is kind of wide here, not just in Taiwan, but around the world. And that is status quo that we need to challenge. That's why I want to focus on this kind of study. And your name, Puma, is that a social media handle? I used to play in the basketball team. And I wear the jersey that has the brand Puma. The brand Puma, right? Yeah, but people do not know my name at that time, so they just call me Puma. I so, thought that was really interesting because it's really easy to remember for yeah, a lot catchy, of folks. Yeah, it's Yeah. So in the end, I actually put the name Puma on my passport. We have other accounts. What's your outlook mm -hmm. for 2021? We're sitting six days oh, into yeah. this new year. You've seen a lot. What's the worst predictions or the mm. best predictions in disinformation for this year, you think? Use of AI will be growing this year, in my perspective, especially when we saw that they, uh, the one I just said that they download all the political talk show and generate a fake voice. And then the danger of to askew the legal responsibility would be more important right now because... If we pass the law such as FARA, the Foreign Agent Registration Law, even mm -hmm. we pass that kind of law, because it's so easy for them to bribe or to create the market interest in the ecosystem. So people who participate in the information operation actually here in Taiwan will not know they are serving the Chinese government. So that's the decoupling process I just mentioned. And then it's very hard for us to point out and saying that, hey, you are the Chinese agents. You are the Chinese cyber force. Because even they themselves do not know they serve the interest. And that happened in Russia too. I think they established several non-profit, non-government organizations in Africa and asked them to spread the disinformation in the U.S. in last year's election. And people who spread this disinformation never know that they serve Russia's interest. What other predictions do you have? There will be more systematic attack from China. We saw some collaboration between the Army and United Front work. The online and offline disinformation has been integrated last year, in the end of 2020. So, I mean, that's another case that we should be aware of. Anything else? Also, not just about Taiwan. Like I say... That had been very subtle. So, for example, several Chinese embassy Twitter accounts has spread lots of disinformation around the world. Yes, and then people, well documented. But People Daily and Global News will then come out and debunk the fake news they just spread. It's very subtle. They actually do it in Southeast Asia to establish the trust. So People's Daily, as in the official mouthpiece of the Communist Party, mm -hmm. Global Times, 
the English language mm -hmm. um, daily of yeah. the CCP as well. Yeah, and they became the fact checker. So they actually debunk the fake news they generate. So they're doing that on purpose? I think on purpose. So in coordination on purpose, or they're doing it as a separate organ that doesn't know what that agency's doing. Because that's scary if it's coordinated, yeah, right? Yeah, because the fake news is actually from the propaganda department. That's right. So that's why if Global Times and People Daily are associated, that means they are generating fake news simultaneously, and then they will debunk the fake news to establish the trust, to have the credit of fact-check in other countries. And you see this happening in Southeast Asia? Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually in Cambodia, and also in Singapore too. In their local language or English language? The rumor is in local language, but the fact-check is English. Also, uh, right now, they have a lot of Facebook accounts and Twitter accounts. So, for example, they will create like a JR Facebook account, and it looks all similar to the original. And they also create your friends. So they have all the fake accounts from your friends, and all the posts looks like that. And then you can see the comments area from your friends. So they have the ecosystem of creating the clone on Facebook. I was going to say, it sounds like an Android or uh -huh. a clone of yourself. <laughs> yeah, and they look authentic. What's the point of doing that? I mean, they just have all these accounts, but they're doing nothing right now. So maybe this year or maybe next year, if they want to do something, they will use this kind of account. How about on the other side, then? How do we defend against it? It's pretty difficult because information operations always generate the news you like. It's very personalized. So that's why I think the first task and most important things that we should do is to protect our private information. Because if we can protect our private information after, like, say, three or six months, it's very difficult for them to understand what Taiwanese are thinking right now. But the whole point of social media is yeah. social. Yeah, because we're giving all the information to social media and they can just utilize this kind of social media to collect private information and then to categorize Taiwanese people into several categories. This is going to be way too simple of a question. But having said all that, mm. uh, Dr. Shen, are you optimistic or pessimistic about what will happen this year in this disinformation space against mm -hmm. like-minded democracies? Actually, I'm very optimistic. <laughs> Let's hear it. I want to hear optimism. So first of all, we really appreciate democratic values. And that's one of the weapons that we can fight information operation. The Temple story that I just mentioned is about democracy. And second, because they really compete with each other a lot. So it's also easy for us. If they compete with each other, we can easily spot this, this information is from that department, that is from that department. And then if we speak to the public, telling them that this is from China, and because of COVID-19, People kind of distrust China right now. So it's much easier for us to tell people that this is from China and that is something that you cannot believe. Or if you want to believe in that, you have to check more. Also, the whole world has been talking about information operation right now. There has been awareness around the world and it would be much easier for us to promote the idea of counteracting this kind of attack. I think it's kind of important that civil society should stand out and collaborate with each other because different organizations were targeting different groups of people here in Taiwan. Anything we should be looking forward to in terms of research or events 
full disclosure, mm. our institute has been collaborating with DoubleThink Lab as well. <laughs> so we're so glad to be able to work with you. It's really our pleasure to work with INDSR. It's been important for civil society to collaborate within our country and also internationally. So that's why we're glad that several professors around the world are asking us to analyze the materials they have. And then they will provide their knowledge about their local organizations and whether they have been infiltrated or not. And then we can have the reports talking about how China infiltrated or tried to attack other countries. So right now we're also developing an index called China Index. We have 10 categories, and one of them is information operation, but also one belt, one road, the military, the economic infiltration, United Front work. So if we have this kind of index, we will know how serious a country has been infiltrated or have been affected by China. And one of the tools that we could provide is to use the AI technology to do the alignment. We should not use the content to determine whether they're from China. We should use the writing style to determine that. And AI is pretty good at detecting this kind of writing style and see whether this is from China or not. Then we can do the next step to think about what kind of countermeasure we could develop to fight against Chinese information operation. That's amazing. I mean, you're a soldier yourself anyway in this disinformation <laughs> war. Thank you so much, Dr. Shen, for Thanks. talking and sharing your insights with us today. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. If you want to understand more on these issues, you can go to our website, www.doublethinklab.org. All of our reports are also on Medium. This has been The Taiwan Take, a Ghost Island Media production based in Taipei, Taiwan. This episode was hosted by J.R. Wu, produced by me, Emily Y. Wu. Alice Ye is our researcher and editor for this episode. See you next time.